Make every effort. For some of you, some of you know, some of you don't know, Monday through Saturday, seems like, I, I have a day job. And I work as a regional manager for this little insurance company. I have a small territory. I only have to cover California, Nevada, Arizona, and Utah. It's not very big. It's just half of the United States, seems like. But I travel around and I visit with folks that are in the business of selling things that my little insurance company sells. And, and one of the most interesting things has happened since the first of the year. It seems that the numbers, the sales numbers for the company were what the president of the company said were kind of flat. Any of you guys in business know what flat means? It means not very good. It means they were horrible. It means if you don't get yourself in gear, we will figure out a way not to work with you and it won't be hard. You get where I'm coming from? So since the first of the year, there's this constant barrage of emails that have been coming to me from the senior vice president and from my boss, the vice president of sales, and even from the president, CEO of the company saying, guys, we're behind. And I'm like, fellas, you can't turn a ship in a day. And I've shared that with them, and they love me for it, and they've backed off on an email or two. But the thing that has been most prevalent since the first of the year with this little company that I work for is there has to be a greater sense of urgency about what we do. In other words, we have to make every effort count. You get where I'm coming from? This morning in the adult class, for those of you who are in there, I alluded to the fact that it seems like because the references of time in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, are a little difficult for us to grasp because it didn't all exactly happen when it's, it seemed like they were talking about it going to happen like Jesus is coming soon. We even sing that song. Jesus is coming soon. You know that song? Well, how soon is soon? I don't know. Nobody really knows how soon soon is except God because he controls that time. And I guess once we cross over from this life of 24-hour days, 365 or 66 days a year, because I think we get 366 this year because it's a leap year, once we cross out of the element of time and we go into the eternal dimension, time really doesn't mean anything, and it could be soon when Jesus comes in another 3,700 years. I don't know. But you and I have to be aware that even though God's time is different than our time and his urgency might be somewhat a little different than our urgency. We have to be engaged in this thing called living a godly life. We have to be engaged on a regular basis. And there should be some sense of urgency about why we do it and how we do it and how we go about living our lives. Because without some sense of urgency, the church is in really, really deep trouble. You'll remember last week I shared this passage with you. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and godliness mutual affection or love and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's this increasing measure that has to be a part of our lives. And it's that increasing measure that's a part of this making every effort, if you know what I'm saying. Peter goes on. By the way, I have to apologize. There were like six times in the sermon last week I alluded to Paul writing the letter of 2 Peter. I don't know if any of you caught that or not, but I did when I went back and watched the video. I'm like, dude, you're in the wrong chapter or something, wrong person. Peter wrote this book, not Paul. So Peter says this, Therefore, my brothers, make every effort 
Be diligent, as the King James says. Be very diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what kind of effort are you bringing to the table? I had breakfast on Friday morning with five of the folks that work with me up in Las Vegas. It was an interesting breakfast. Because four of the five, from the 1st of January to whatever the day of the week was and Friday when I was sitting with them, four of the five have done absolutely nothing this year. Nothing. We talked about having urgency. We talked about effort. We talked about what it means to be engaged in their day-to-day activities of providing for their, themselves and their family. So I just want to ask you this morning to consider, if we were to give you a sheet of paper this morning that was blank, nothing on the front, nothing on the back, and we provided you with an ink pen or a pencil with which you could write on this page, would you be able to write down anything since the first of the year that you've done in the name of Christ? To impact, influence, Call upon, encourage anyone, anywhere to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Now, I started to bring paper, but I didn't. I just want you to think about that, though. If we had a pop quiz this morning and you had to fill in the blank, I have helped X number of people come to know Jesus, or I have helped... X number of people be encouraged by the name of Christ, or I have reached out to X number of people with anything about Jesus, um, what would you write on the paper? What would your answer be? And how much effort are you really giving in your walk with Christ? Because, see, I think effort matters. I think the amount of effort that we put into our relationship with God is going to be reflected in how we interact with other people, whether they are believers or not. So what are you doing? Peter makes some interesting statements about God and His ability and what He does. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I invite you to turn there with me for just a moment. In 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, he says some very, very interesting things. If God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he, God, did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteousness for punishment on the day of judgment. The Lord knows how to rescue us who are the godly 
from trials of this world. But I have news for you. I don't think God is that interested in saving us from any trials or tribulations if we're not in the game. If we're not doing something, if we're not making every effort to live the way that God wants us to do, help me understand why God is really going to come to your rescue. There's a saying, I don't know who said it first, but it goes something like this. Man who sits on side of hill waiting on roast duck to fly into his mouth waits a long time to eat. I don't know where that came from. I heard it years ago. Somebody said it in a speech. Man who sits on side of hill waiting on God to rescue him and does nothing to help himself and makes no effort is going to wait a long time before God's ever going to come to your rescue. I just don't believe that's how God wants us to live. He didn't say, believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world. Be baptized for your sins and then sit on your hands for the rest of your life and wait to go to heaven. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. All of these qualities should be in increasing measure. We should be making every effort to live godly lives. And living godly lives and making that effort means that somehow, some way, we are involved and engaged in other people's lives. <clears throat> Wednesday, I was in Las Vegas Wednesday morning. And I got up early. I, got, I always get up early. But I got up around 7 o'clock and I left around 7.30. And I drove up to Cedar City, Utah. Cool city. Never been there in my life. Have a couple of things, locations up there that I have to work with. They're part of my responsibility. I've never been there, never talked to anybody up there. So I go to Cedar City. And in my world of work, people have to be engaged in the lives of people, in the community. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're in the business of being in business, you better be in the business with other people in your line of work. You know what I'm saying? Okay? So I go to Cedar City. I don't know anybody in this city. I know no one. Sitting in IHOP. There's a couple behind me, older than me. There's a gal with them, a little bit younger than me, by looks. I didn't ask their birthdays. <laughs> but they're talking about different things. And you know, if you sit in a restaurant and they're in the booth next to you, you can't help but hear what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? You just can't help it. And so as they're Leaving and we're kind of chatting. The guy that's sitting in the seat and he was right behind me, he whacked me in the back of the head. He didn't mean to. I, I wasn't infringing on their conversation. He didn't hit me to be mean, but he just bumped into me as he was getting up. And so we started a conversation that lasted several minutes because he hit me accidentally. As they're leaving, there's another couple walking in and they sit in the booth that's right in front of me. And for some reason, and this is just a little peculiar, most people don't do this, but this couple, they sit side by side. There's, you know... The booth has two sides to it, you know what I'm saying? But they sat side by side. And what really made it awkward is they're looking right at me. <laughs> you ever have that happen in a restaurant? You know, somebody sits at a table across from you at a booth, and all of a sudden you're staring at them. It's like you're all at the same table now. You ever have that? So we're sitting there, and I don't even know why. But this lady that's sitting there looking at me, she says, Are you from California? And I'm like, what have I got? I got a scar right here. It's still healing. That's why I'm wearing a hat. But it, doesn't, it didn't stamp on there. I'm from California. That wasn't Im embedded in my head. I don't know how come she, why she thought that of me. But she said it. I said, are you from California? 
I said, that's interesting that you should ask. I am. I said, are you from California? She said, yes. I said, well, where are you from? She said, I grew up in Fallbrook. I said, that's interesting. I live in Menifee. That's like 20 miles, 30 miles away from one another. We were next door neighbors almost. I said, what are you doing up here? She said, we moved up here 10 years ago because we had, she and her husband, they have this son, and he was in like the fourth grade or fifth grade, and he's always already dealing with bullies and gangs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, in Fallbrook? She said, yes, in Fallbrook. I said, well, I'm glad you moved. Is it better? And she lives in Kanash. Any ever ever heard of Kanash, Utah? There's a city called Kanash. I actually saw real estate for sale this morning in Kanash. Couldn't believe it. In Kanash, Utah. I'm like, where is that? She said, it's like 20 minutes ahead, up the road. I said, why are you here? She said, our boyfriend's girlfriend, or our son's girlfriend is our server, the girl that's waiting. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So we have a conversation. I now know six people in Cedar City, Utah. So I'm sitting there, and I remember, you know, there's this guy that I used to know in San Clemente, California. His name was Jim St. Germain. So I text Jim. I'm having breakfast in IHOP. I said, Jim, hey, this is Ed Bush. Seems like I recall you living in Utah. Where do you live? I'm in IHOP in Cedar City. I get a text back. I'm three blocks from you. <laughs> now I know seven people in Cedar City, Utah. Not only that, but his daughter Megan and her husband and their four kids moved up there. Now I know 11 people in Cedar City, Utah. And I haven't even met the guy that I've gone to see yet. His name is Bryce. He works for our company. Finally got to meet him. Nice guy. A great conversation. I share all of that with you just to ask you this. Have you tried to be involved in anybody's life? And guess what? I didn't preach to anybody. I didn't say, did you go to church yesterday? I didn't ask them if they're a Christian. We didn't get there yet. I don't even know these people, except Jim. I know Jim. Jim used to go to church with me in San Clemente. I know him well. I can nail him if I need to. But I didn't, I just had conversation. And the reason I had conversation is because I need to meet people because the only way that I'll ever have an opportunity to share any good news with anybody is if I meet somebody. You, you following me? If I had sat there quietly enjoying my coffee, eggs, and bacon, I wouldn't have met anyone. And I would have left Cedar City after having a meeting with one old guy who works for my company. He's been there 12 years, and who knows what he'll do. I'm suggesting that you consider how you live. And I am suggesting that you and I need to make every effort within our power to meet other people because you never, ever know how that one, one simple conversation could lead to something phenomenal. Remember, Peter goes on in chapter 3 after, after listing a whole lot of bad stuff that's happened in the world. He comes down to this. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He says this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speeding of its coming. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Guys, this isn't a passive activity that you and I get to do as we are Christians. 
This is an active, engaged, purposeful, on purpose, all the time, living for God. We don't get to check out. You know, one of the greatest challenges, I mean this with all my heart, one of the greatest challenges I ever have and still have when I was preaching and working with a church full time was a when are you off? When are you off work? And I can tell you there have been more than a time or two in my life when I made the decision to go do something for the church or go do something with someone else other than my family to the detriment of my wife and kids. And if you know any other preachers in the world from any other churches, you know that sometimes they've made decisions like that. And elders and deacons and and others of you in the church have done the exact same thing. But I'm telling you guys, we're never off duty. We're never off duty. As much as Christ lives in us all the time, as much as we have clothed ourselves with Him and we were baptized into Him, we are on call all the time. And we should be making every effort. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how sick you've been. I don't care how well you have been. I don't care how how much money you earn or how much money you don't earn. None of that matters when it comes to understanding that a conversation with someone can make an eternal difference. And you never, ever know that God has put you in this place at this time for exactly meeting that person. You never know. Remember the story? Who was it? Esther? Wasn't she the one who was invited? And she took it upon herself to go see the king? And she could have been killed just like that. But someone very wise told her, you never know that God has placed you in this place for exactly this time. We don't know. So why? Why would you not be engaged? Why would you not make every effort? I encourage you, in the name of Jesus, when you leave here today, take the name of Jesus with you wherever you go, doing whatever you do all the time. Because the only time we don't get that opportunity is when we pass from this life. Brandon's going to come lead us in a song to encourage us. I, I invite you as we sing this song to think of your life. If there's something about it that's amiss, that's out of balance, out of, out of order, then we'd love to pray with you to make sure that's in the right order. If there's something about your life that says, you know what, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life because I've never done that and you want to be baptized, we'd love to do that this morning so that when you leave here, you can make every effort with the rest of us to bring honor and glory to Jesus in everything that you do. Let's stand and sing and encourage one another with this song.